When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, a Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details the voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner from autosport.com and autosport magazine today we remember sir frank williams former formula one team boss sir frank williams whose squad became one of the most successful in grand prix racing's history passed away yesterday morning at the age of 79 years old the williams team earned 114 f1 victories along with seven drivers titles and nine constructors crowns to become one of the best-known teams on the grid. Frank Williams had originally founded Williams Grand Prix Engineering in 1977, having previously run cars in Formula 2 and Formula 3. Well, today we talk to two people who knew him very well. One is motorsport writer and broadcaster Morris Hamilton, and the other is somebody who worked very closely with Sir Frank Williams, and that is Juan Pablo Montoya. Diana Binks from Motorsport TV Live talks to both of them. Morris, thank you so much for joining us today. Clearly a sad day for everyone with the, with the news on Sir Frank Williams, but he is a man that you knew very well. Um, so much history, so many memories. What can you tell us about him? Was just un- he was unique. I mean, it's an overused word, um, but he was because of where he'd come from. Because here was a guy who had been on his uppers, had been broke, absolutely broke, and he kept getting knocked down, kept getting knocked down. And yet this incredible passion and love for the sport just brought him through. And when he then got it right and and everything came together in 77, 78 and then into 79, uh, there was just, uh, uh, everybody was excited because we knew what he'd done. We knew how hard he'd worked to get there. And everybody was happy for Frank because that was the way that he got to because his bubbling enthusiasm, that ready smile, even with a terrible setback, was always to the forefront. And this passion was driving him through, and you, you were sort of drawn along with it. 
So when he won his first Grand Prix, the Williams won his first Grand Prix in Silverstone, which is a great place to do it, in 1979, everybody was just delighted. You know, there, was, there wasn't any bad thoughts or bad words, but he was just thrilled. Frank's actually mm. done it. And that was the start. Then he went on to win a championship, and then you were, you were thrilled to bits. And even all the setbacks that were later to come in his life, you still knew that he was somehow, somehow going to overcome whatever obstacle you threw in his path. Where did he get that drive from? Do you know? He didn't really know. He, he just loved, uh, first, there was two parts to it, really, I suppose. There's the drive, but also there's the love of the sport. And the two combined together put him to where he was. Love The love of the sport, um, he was actually in love with anything mechanical. I mean, mm. I remember I went doing an interview with him, and he, and he said he used to get excited about riding on the bus uh, with his mum into the local town, just being in a vehicle that moved. So that was the attraction. And cars, of course, he was fascinated by car, road cars. And at his school, he, he befriended, as he would, uh, a pupil whose father was quite wealthy and had access to very nice cars. So, of course, Frank, that satisfied Frank as well. The, the, the drive and the ambition, very hard to say. I mean, it was just in him from day one. I suppose he was, he, um, he, 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 his father, he, he didn't really know his father. And his mum had to bring him up single-handed. So I think that perhaps brought some of this resolve, this sense of, uh, I'm just going to get through this. might have come from his mum, I don't know. But it was always there, that's for sure. The passion seemed unwavering for motorsport. And then obviously we, we fast forward a bit to when he had his own road accident. How did that change him? Yeah, that, that was a big thing. You know, that was in March 1986. And we, we all thought... God, this is the end of it. This is the end of the team. If, if Frank survives this, what, even if he does survive it, what's going to happen? Well, of course, he did. But that was underestimating Frank because it was typical of him. I remember uh, a year later, so into 87, we're going to the uh, first Grand Prix. Uh, we're going to the French Grand Prix. And the accident happened coming back from a test at Paul Ricard. So he's driving. He's been driven to the French Grand Prix the next year. And he's going to pass the site of the accident for the first time. And I remember hearing this was going to happen. So when I got to Ricard, uh, I went up and I said, can I have a word with Frank and just ask him what he thought? And, you know, I was a bit nervous about asking him about the scene of an accident that's changed his mm. life. And typical Frank, he just said, yeah, saw the scene. Yeah, no, I knew what I was doing. I was driving too fast, cocked up. My fault. There we are. Oh. Carry on. And that was typical Frank. There was no self-pity whatsoever. You know, he'd been driving too fast. He'd made a mistake. He'd had an accident. He'd end up in a wheelchair like this. Okay, deal with it. And so uh, that was that ethos then went right through the whole team because even after he'd had the accident, the team carried on. You know, the, the, the structure was so good that they were able to carry mm. on. And as we know, they were in the running for the championship at the end of the year and then they won it in 87. So that says a lot about the, the, the uh, effort, the, the thought and the, the whole ethos that Frank had instilled in his own team. I mean, the strength of, strength of character that you've just mentioned there, I mean, it's just incredible. But to, 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 to have that incident happen and carry on and continue the success that they did. And then, of course, another incident with Ersin Senna must have been a huge amount of pressure for him. How did, did that change him and how, how did he cope with that? I think, uh, Diana, if we're going to talk about Senna, first of all, we've got to mention Piers' courage because this was... Mm. Uh, just as crucial in Frank's life. Because Frank and, and Piers Courage, or Porridge as he called him, uh, had, had kind of grown up together through the junior ranks. They'd raced against each other, and then Frank had supported Piers in his driving. 
and they went into Formula One together. And when they went into Formula One in 1969 with a privately entered Brabham, they really were going, finished second at Monaco, second at Watkins Glen. You know, they really were going places. And, and Frank adored Piers. So you can imagine the effect it had on him when Piers was killed in one of Frank's cars in the 1970 Dutch Grand Prix at Zandvoort. I mean, he was devastated after that, absolutely devastated. Even though he knew very well that all the dangers that were associated with Formula One, nonetheless, this was a terrible thing. But he got over it. He somehow managed to pull himself together. So now we fast forward to Ayrton Senna. He absolutely uh, idolized Senna. He was the one guy that he wanted in his team. He gets him in for 1994. In the third race, Senna's killed in one of his cars. I mean, a dreadful blow, not just for motorsport for all the obvious reasons, but for Frank too. It was He, he just felt terrible about it. He was, he, was, he was in a shocking state about that uh, to the point where the, the team felt that they really couldn't say much to him because they knew how heartbroken he would be. But he'd been through it before, you know. He, he had, as I said, with courage and so on, he knew that the motorsport was like this. But even though these two were very personal to him, and he somehow then just pulled himself together with this cast-iron resolve and got himself out of it and carried on. I mean, it just, that's testament to the man, isn't it? This mental strength that he had and the ability to contain the emotions, which were clearly there, um, was the thing that have made this team special? Would that be a fair estimation? Yeah, it, it was because the, everybody on the team took their cue from Frank. Uh, and I remember I did a, a book on, on the team. Um, I, I, I did two books actually on Williams. One was on Frank and he didn't want any part of it. That was typical Frank and I knew that was going to happen. So I wrote to him and said I was going to do it. And I was waiting for him to come back and say, no, you can't, but he didn't. He just never talked about it. So I thought, that's fine. I'll go ahead and do it. The second one, um, I, the way I got around that was, I said, Frank, it's not about you, it's about your team. I want to write about all the members of your team and what they've done. For, and he said, yeah, good. And, he was, and that actually worked really well. In the process of that, I talked to many, many team members about Frank. And the love for the man was way beyond what I had expected. I'd expected a fair bit of it, as you can imagine. But it was way beyond that. There was just um, the way he used to, even when his wheelchair, after the accident, he would come around the workshop. He knew everybody, he'd chat away, and he would say, uh, how are you doing? And then, have you got that part made yet? Can we go? You know, he would, he would just drive them on. For example, if, if they were up against it, they were perhaps testing new parts for the car, and they were gonna, the guys were going to have to work 24-7. They would do it for Frank, because he would be there encouraging them and egging them on. So, so that whole thing of um, Frank Williams racing, was was just all about you know his name was above the door it was his team but he led from the front he led by example and all the guys were on the top floor the guys and girls were just so happy just to, to carry on and do that because they knew this is what racing for frank was all about i guess in that situation you know it makes you want to the, be the best that you can be because you're looking at this person that you clearly can see is the best and has this ability to adapt to everything so for you as part of the team, you want to also be your best for him. Um, looking at all the drivers, that he had a great eye for, for finding driver talent, but he always seemed to have a very close relationship with the drivers and the respectful relationship. And as we can see today, we're having lots of tributes to him from various different drivers, but that was something that uh, he generated. They wanted to drive for Frank, apart from the fact that if you drove for Williams Grand Prix Engineering, which is a great title, isn't it? Just sums it up, no nonsense, no fancy bits. Williams Grand Prix Engineering, I always loved that. Um, 
it, you knew you were going to get a good car, so you knew you were going to win races, but also you wanted to race for Frank because you knew it was going to be a fun thing. It was going to be total dedication. There'd be no fancy bits spent on, on stuff that was unnecessary. All the money they had was going into the car that you would drive to make you good. Saying all that, Frank was no pushover. And a lot of the drivers will tell you, poor old Damon Hill, look, he, he wins a championship in 1996, and then Frank fires him because they can't agree on terms. And that's typical <laughs> Frank. He was in awe of drivers. He loved what they did. I mean, he, he would always say that. He was just, particularly Senna, as we said, you know, what Senna, Eric and Senna would do in a racing car. Frank was just goggle-eyed about this sort of thing. But uh, despite the fact that he had this enormous respect for what they could do, and don't forget, he'd been a, tried to be a racing driver and failed miserably because he crashed a lot. <laughs> uh, but he, so he knew what it was all about. So he loved the, the, what the best of the best could do. But yet when it came to business, when it came to running his team, it was his team that came first. And if they, the driver, weren't going to toe that line, weren't going to go along with the way that he wanted to do, they were out. It was tough. It was tough. So it was that lovely, that very sort of strange juxtaposition of passion, uh, love for what they did. But also, I'm running a business and I want to win races. Yes, you're the driver, but also I need to make the whole thing work. How will you remember Sir Frank? He was a tough guy in, in some ways. I mean, I, I had a, a lovely relationship with him. I was very, very fortunate having been around when I sort of joined as a professional writer in 1977. It was at the time when Frank was coming good and we kind of grew up together in that respect. So I was at the launch of the first proper Williams FW06 in the little former carpet warehouse in Didcot. And right the way through, I did things like um, he asked me to keep the lap chart at the pit wall at Las Vegas in 1982 when Keke Rossford was going for the championship, which was an honour in one way and massive pressure in the other. But uh, again, it was very nice to be asked and, and to do that. And just just little things. Um, how do I sum up, Frank? I, um, I remember Jackie Stewart used to have these charity clay pigeon shoots in Glen Eagles in the, in the early 90s. And it was a chance for Formula One to go and relax and just get away from everything and have a fantastic weekend. It was a really wonderful thing to do. And Frank came to one of them. And in those days, uh, teams would be testing all the time. It was not restricted like it is now. You would, during January and February, you'd get people running all the time. And Frank turned up at Glen Eagles, and he was in his wheelchair. And there'd been somebody had been running that week. It was, it was, um, it was uh, from memory. It was, it was Ricardo Patrese in an arrow. and be doing quick times at Paul Ricard, I think it was. Uh, but the rest of us didn't care about that. We were there to have a good time and have good fun. So Frank said. Mm. And we're in this reception area, and he sees me, and he, and he sort of beckons me over. And I go over to have a little chat and say, oh, really good to see you here. Isn't this great? And he says, yes. He says, I know. He says, do you know what Tars Patrese was running in that test? <laughs> no, no, I've no idea, Frank. No idea. But that was typical, Frank. He was thinking about the testing because Patrese had been quick. What on earth is going on? I need to know. That summed them up to me. He just sees eat, sleep and breathe the whole thing. I mean, you must have so many memories there. Is there any one in particular that sticks out in your mind that you just think that is that tells the story of, of him? You, you had to know who you were dealing with, Frank. So going back to 1982 uh, and Keke Rosberg's going for the championship and Derek Daly's in the other Williams, right? So I know Derek very well. I'm ghosting Derek's column for a Sunday newspaper. And we get to Las Vegas, the very final race of 1982. And Derek's future is a bit, he's unsure. He doesn't know whether he's going to be staying with Frank or not. And so we, we're writing this column and, the, and the, the sports editor of his Sunday newspaper wants Derek to say, do you know what you're doing next year? So Derek says to me, will you go and ask Frank, say you're writing this column off the record. So I put this to Frank and said, now look, 
you know, it's Derek's car and he doesn't want to look stupid. If he hasn't got the drive, can we say, or if he has got the drive, what, what is it? So Frank said, oh, I think he'd be all right. He, 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 he'd be all right. So we wrote, Derek wrote the column uh, saying, it's looking good for 1983 and so on. On the Sunday morning when his column came out in the Dublin newspaper, a rival Dublin newspaper had the story that Jack Lafitte had signed for Williams. Oh. And Derek called me and said, what? And it was true. So uh, the next time I saw Frank, I said to him, Frank, do you remember? He said, oh, yeah, I do. He said, I'm sorry. He said, I had to. I had to tell you. I had to say that. And that was Frank because the business came first. He couldn't just let it. He just couldn't tell me. And even though it made me and Pearl Derek Daly look really stupid. But that was the way it was with Frank. He was quite cunning at times, you know, and you, you, had, to be, you had to know who you were dealing with. Yeah. Do you think he would have been proud of what he's achieved? Oh, immensely so. In, 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 in terms of uh, what his team achieved. Um, what he'd done for Britain and w what he got in motor racing. But for Frank, it was the next race that was the most important. So he would have the moment satisfaction, the, the, the enjoyment. Certainly the one that, because uh, I remember when I was doing that book I was referring to, uh, and, I, and I talked to his wife, Virginia, and uh, we, she said the one most memorable occasion was when they won their first Grand Prix at Silverstone in, in 1979. And they sat for hours, watched the sunset, in the little caravan they had at the back and just enjoyed and, and soaked up the whole moment. But from then on, as it got more and more frantic and, and more and more serious and going for the championship, then, you know, each win was, yep, done, dusted, that's what we're here to do, tick the box, move on. So uh, I, I think that that's, that's really what it meant to him. It was, right, job done, good lads, what's the next one? And, and um, he, he wasn't one to boast about it. He wasn't one to... I mean, he was even slightly embarrassed when he, although he was delighted quietly to get a knighthood, he was quite slightly embarrassed a little bit about it. That was just him. He wasn't one to, to beat his chest and say, look what we've done. It was, that's what we're here to do. We're here to win races. We're here to win championships. And my goodness, they did that, didn't they? They certainly did. And that's clearly why he was, he was much loved. Well, look, Morris, thank you so much for talking to us and giving us that insight into Sir Frank Williams today. It's a pleasure, Dan. Thank you. Juan Pablo, thanks for joining us this morning on what can only be described as a, as a very sad day with the news of the passing of Sir Frank Williams. Tributes are just flooding in. How would you describe him? Oh, he was an amazing person. Um, I think he, you know, one of the reasons I made it to Formula One was him. Uh, my first Formula One car I ever drove was him. You know what I mean? It was actually Villeneuve's car when he won the championship. And uh, he really looked after me and, you know, had most of my success in Formula One in a Williams car. So I have really fond memories of him and all his family and, and everybody at Williams. So his passing, you know, is very sad. Uh, but, you know, you got to say he lived a great life. He achieved great success, uh, came through such adversity. But working with him directly, what was that like? And how instrumental was he in, in helping you throughout the time you were with Williams? It was amazing. You know, he was he was always around. He was the guy that always wanted to know what was going on. He always wanted to be part of the conversation. And uh, and it was always great. You know what I mean? It was it's not only him, but everybody at Williams always were unbelievable. You know, it was a great big family. And and uh, I remember I always used to joke around with him and, and make his life. He used to exercise a lot, for example. 
uh, and I used to walk behind him and, and hold it and make his workout harder. And at the beginning, he really struggled. You know, we always had a good laugh. We we had a really good friendship, and and it was always fun. He was a real racer, wasn't he? And his his whole objective was winning. Clearly, that came down the whole tree. Yeah, yeah, it was all about winning at Williams and and getting the job done. And and he was a guy that when you did well, he would be so excited. And when you did bad, he was the first guy that was supporting you. And he would be telling you, don't worry about it. I mean, you got this, you got to do this. You know what I mean? He was always there for you. So it was was always a lot of fun. If you were to describe his main qualities, what would you say they were? He was very good at managing people. He was very good at putting the right people in the right places. Uh, He really understood the business and he really understood. I mean, he was all above a racer. You know what I mean? He was very good at picking good drivers. He was very good at understanding, you know, how to get the most out of the drivers. I think that was really crucial. And he always pushed you, but he always pushed you in the right way. But it was always fun. What legacy do you think he'll leave? Oh, I mean, he he's done everything. I mean, he talking about legacies, he, you know, how many world championships, how many great drivers drove for him. It's going to be, he's a guy that is going to be missed. And he was already missed on a lot of the racetracks. You know? I mean, he, he came less and less to the racetracks. And, and, and now that, you know, they saw Williams and everything, it's, it's the legacy of, of everything he'd done, you know. And, you know, it's, it's a shame, but, you know, I mean, it's it, it what happens but you know you're gonna be happy he had a great life and knowing frank you would probably you know he'd probably wish everybody was happy and and you know, i mean everybody enjoy life you know i mean it's life goes on and and he was the kind of guy that you know it was it was never beaten and and it was great to see he just put everything into racing, didn't he? And that's transferred throughout the whole family, obviously with Claire taking over after him. Clearly, they had a great relationship, but I guess a lot of it came from him. Claire was around the team for a long time. You know, Claire even worked in the team uh, when I was racing. I remember she was there already. She was part of the team. She was part of the family. She was always involved. Jonathan as well, a little bit. Um, I mean, Jonathan, you know, kind of did the young drivers program and everything, and is where I came from. You know, I spoke to the family yesterday, and you know, it's a tough moment. It's always going to be tough. Uh, it doesn't matter how how much you know it's going to come sooner or later, but it, it's just difficult. Um, he was such a great guy, and he was loved by so many. Uh, I don't think anybody has anything bad to say about Frank. You know, he's as you said, you know, he was a racer. Uh, you know, he lived in the factory. It was all about racing, racing and racing. You said you spoke to the family. Are they taking comfort for the fact that there's so many tributes and, and kind words about Frank? Yes, I'm sure, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure they received millions of calls from everybody that worked with them and friends and family. And But, you know, you got to remember, you know, I still your dad. And I still, you know, I mean, for them, it's, it's a little bit, I don't want to compare it, but it's, it's a little like when they ask my kid a lot, do you have pressure, you know, because your dad is who you are. And at the end of the day, he looks at me just like the dad, you know what I mean? And for Claire and everybody in the family and, and Jonathan, uh, you know, Frank was their dad and he's, it was their everything. And, you know, uh, it, it's it, it's really, really tough what they're going through. And, you know, as uh, you know, as I've told them is, you know, prayers and whatever they need, we're here for them. And 
and it's great how how the whole racing community has taken it and and how you know everybody emotion and everybody supported the family right now it's it's been pretty incredible incredible sad news as we say thanks so much juan pablo for giving us your thoughts today and obviously the legacy will continue on 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 st frank williams thank you so much thank you mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing chumba casino this year i was only playing for fun so winning this was a dream come true chumba casino is america's number one social casino experience it's serious fun with over 80 casino style games to choose from you too could win life-changing amounts of cash be like mary log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a world that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary void or prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details the voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner when Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Ooh, hold up. Just got a new sale. Order fulfilled and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Oh, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.